what is happening it is august 4th the year 2021 my name is brad ward mikey's on the ones and twos and you are locked in with all eyes on cleveland fantasy special edition tonight uh today very fired up excited to have i'm a fan of both of these guys i watch them frequently and uh they're two of the best in the business hilarious gentlemen very, very smart, intelligent gentleman, and I'm going to get them both on the air right away. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe, help us up. Uh, we're at uh, about 1,400 subscribers and going, so keep hitting that subscribe button for us as we continue to grow. And this is your little treat for you guys to, uh, you know, to step away from the Browns and a step into the fantasy world here with us today. Uh, and let's bring our guests on. The one and only Dave Lofrin at awesomeo.com. Uh, he is uh, one of my favorites, hilarious. Uh, you can catch him every day doing shows on uh, Awesomeo. And uh, I know that his passion is fantasy football. So we've got him on the show here for that. And of course, Scott Simpson, the hilarious, nimble with numbers Scott Simpson. Uh, he is the founder of Nimble with Numbers, uh, co-founder of Fantasy Football Millionaires, Chalk Blocked, Fantasy uh, Football Hot Stove Show, and Sports Gambling Podcast Notebook. I'm losing my voice as well as having technical difficulties. It's a rough day, gentlemen, but welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland. I can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, it's awesome to have you both. I'm a huge fan of both of you guys. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. None of those nice things you said about me are true, but I'll try to live up to them today. I'm happy to be on with you guys. And Scott, what's up, man? Good to be back with you. I had a great time on your show as well. Oh, no. Thank you so much, Brad. Dave, this is awesome. Uh, I told my daughters I'm getting to hang out with guys and talk football. And they said, football's not for like another month. And I said, nah, ah, ah. it's every single day when you love it. So I'm excited to talk with you guys. You, you said it, brother. That's the truth. So I wanted to get in with you guys here before we kind of get into this year's drafts and everything. And and so I just want to let you know, I didn't think I could play best ball, right? So I'm watching everybody play best ball, and I'm irate. DraftKings won't let me play. So talking to you guys yesterday, I go to 4 for 4, sends me to Underdog to get the su subscription. Underdog lets me play best ball in Ohio. So I am playing best ball now. I am in. I'm already in a couple drafts, so wonderful stuff there. But let's talk uh, scoring. The game is kind of changing. It's ever-evolving, the fantasy game. I know that um, you guys, or, or I know, Scott, you play a lot of Dynasty and stuff. But if we're talking league-wise, 12 teams, 10 teams, what would you recommend for the guy that's trying to play in a serious league? Like, there's standard scoring, PPR scoring, half PPR scoring, and now the super flex, which kind of brings the emphasis back on the quarterback, which I like. Um, I'll start with you, Scott. Thoughts on where people should be looking scoring-wise if they take this stuff seriously? Oh, man, I, I would say all those are, uh, are great options depending on what you're into and what you like about the game. And so uh, you know, we all are, uh, you know, different. We all have different experiences. I, I love Superflex, but I also love your, your regular PPR home league with your friends where, you know, you've got two flex spots. You've got three wide receiver positions. Your, your, your scoring is out the wazoo. You're trying to get 2,000 points in the season. So uh, I'm flexible. Only thing I do not play is standard. Uh, I, I can't not get points for what's going on on the field, you know, whether it's a catch uh, you know, it, it's a, that matters to me. You know, I know maybe a full point's kind of big for some, and they're like half point, which is cool too. But no standard for me. Uh, normally, a PPR or superflex. Yeah, I mean, I totally get that. The standard, it's not, it's not as relevant, right? It's lost its relevance in some way. It's so touchdown oriented. Uh, Lafay, what are your thoughts on this? The points systems. Do you have a preference in any way? One that you would send people to or you think is the most accurate or best way to score fantasy football in in a league uh season brad you should have used our referral code for underdog come on man awesome fantasy football oh. channel what's up bro you're killing me man <laughs> i'm just joking i should have right, before i before i answer that question let me endear myself hopefully to your your target audience which are browns fans i took some heat the other day for saying that nick chubb is the best 
running back out there. This is this had nothing to do with the show, Brad. I'm not doing this to get people to like me, but Nick Chubb right now is the best pure rusher in the league, and by the end of the season, we're going to see that come to fruition. No, I mean I'm serious about that. Dead serious about that. Uh, ahead of Derek Henry, you give you give Nick Chubb three four thousand touches per season. He's going to have just as many, if not more yards. So I'm very excited to see what Nick Chubb can do. Now we just got to get Kareem Hunt out of Cleveland and let him have the backfield to himself. But yeah. as far as strategy goes, or I'm sorry, playing certain leagues, I, I'm with Scott. I really don't play a lot of standard leagues anymore. You know, once in a while, someone will be like, someone will be like, "Can you jump in this league? Do you want to play this?" and and it's standard, and I begrudgingly do it. But it's more so not about what leagues I like because I'm in a two tight end league where people are drafting Dallas Goddard in the second round, which is insane. Uh, and super flex <laughs> leagues, which I like, but there's so many good quarterbacks out there that I don't mind, you know, getting some safer guys late in the draft. It, what's fun about this, but also challenging is that when you're playing, you know, PPR and then you're going to a super draft or a two tight end league or a standard league uh, or best ball for that matter, best ball's wildly different than anything else you're playing. You're looking to stack quarterbacks with their pass catchers, you're looking to do a lot of different things. You're taking big shots late in the draft. There's 18 or 21 rounds compared to 15 or 16 in other leagues. You're looking to get two quarterbacks, at least sometimes three, load up at tight end. It's way different. So it's not as much about what I like, although I'm with Scott. I'm not big on standard leagues. It's more about knowing how to approach them and never going into a draft without totally understanding it because if it's super flex or two tight end or two quarterback or half point or full point PPR or standard, that's a change or should change your rankings up and your strategy up quite a bit. What do you got, Lafayette? What do you think most people play? The average, the average Joe plays half PPR? point PPR, full point PPR is the new okay. is the new standard league, really. When you think about it, uh, I, I love full point PPR; it just makes my life a little bit easier. But I also enjoy superflex. Uh, I, I I have an approach that's a little bit different. You know, I still am not fond of drafting quarterbacks in the in the first round. I, I generally don't do it. Uh, I think there's still a lot of good ones out there. So I, I don't necessarily have a preference, but most of what I play is full point half or half point PPR. I also love guillotine leagues. If you guys haven't checked them out, they're a ton of fun, man. They're new. I draw, I, I started one up a couple of years ago with 20 teams, just got people from Twitter to join in. And that was a blast. We, we had a, a hell of a time. We're going to do it again this year. That's awesome. Uh, guillotine league. So check that out. Uh, that's interesting. So let's talk about the super flex real quick. Uh, I'll, I'll go to you on this one, Scott. He talked about his approach. He kind of stays away from quarterbacks early. That's always kind of been my approach is just like, hey, you can find a guy. How does super flex change that? And it does it change it for you? Are you going quarterback much earlier in the super flex league? I go earlier, by the way. I'm sorry, Scott. I still go earlier. I just don't draft them usually in the first round. As early, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that strategy, Lofty. Unless you can get one of the top two or three in the beginning, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is available, right? Uh, or Dak Prescott, something like that. Yeah, I do wait. Um, I think it all depends on your league mates and uh, and kind of how those uh, runs go and where people are valuing players. Uh, so I try to come into it, like Lofty said, knowing your scoring system, knowing who you're going to value, the players that are, are the upfront at each tier for you that you want to target, and then kind of playing the board. And so I, I love just watching players go that I don't have in the tier or that I don't like so that the players I do like kind of get pushed in the value to me. So I could go quarterback first round, but normally I don't. Uh, I'm always trying to get those wide receivers that slip. If you can get Julio Jones in like the seventh round or sixth round of a super flex league because people are loading up on Derek Carrs and Jared Goffs, like smash that. I love those kind of values that kind of float down to you. Yeah, so uh, overall draft strategy, let's stay on that for a minute. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland with special guests Dave Loughran and Scott Simpson. Where's the sunglasses, Scott? You know what? I, I was ready. I didn't want to show Lofty up, you know what I mean, because he doesn't have the shades on. So, uh, And my, <laughs> my hat's not backwards, though, so I don't have a hat. But there you oh, go. I got solid. the shades. They're always here next to me. I keep them in a little bag so I can be ready to go. Solid. I can see your whole room. Yeah, this is, I'm blinding myself now, so I'm yeah. going to take them. <laughs> the reflection yeah, no, is incredible. That's fine, but I, I love the look. And and always you and your partner has sunglasses on as well. It's it, like, it was It's kind of a bit because uh, we, we made a joke in the beginning. Uh, there's a guy named Jemmo the Icon on Twitter. He always wore sunglasses, and Jemmo's like, you should never not wear them. And so we said, okay, we will. This is a joke. And then it's kind of never – we've never not had them on. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, the people expect it. And now if I don't have them on, like you said, people go, hey, wear the sunglasses, and then I got to be ready. Yeah. Now, Lafayette, uh, I you know, before we get into the strategy stuff, I have to say to you, 
you have to deal with some uh, some personalities at Osimo uh, all the time. Uh, yeah, some guys that you know may rub you the wrong way a little bit. Some egos at at Osimo a little I bit. Want I want names, Brad. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Engelman is a very intelligent man. But he will rub you the wrong way from time to time. Yeah, he will. He's uh, a great guy, though, man. He, that's just his thing. That's that's Josh's thing. Josh is a great. He's a real sharp guy too, and uh, he is. Yeah, he, 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 is. He, he does some great stuff over there. But yeah, there are some people that that may not be particularly fond of him at times, but other people love him. You know, he's just one of those guys, polarizing in a sense. Yes, very polarizing, very pretentious to people that you know <laughs> ask a question that he's not fond of. He doesn't he doesn't mind calling him stupid or anything like that, and that's okay. God, I that's get the feeling Brad's not huge on Josh Engelman. No, I, I like Josh. I listen to Josh all the time. I think he's great. He's as sharp as can get. But uh, you know, Lafayette, I give you credit. You handle all those personalities so well as a host, and uh, you Thanks, do a great man. job. Uh, so that's awesome. But. Uh, Boy, you know, it's a different array of people you guys got over there at Osimo. It's pretty wild. Uh, but, yeah, I enjoy them all. Uh, all right, strategy, guys. You started with this a little bit, Lafayette. Uh You wait on your quarterbacks. This year, do you find yourself going running back early, wide receiver early? I know each draft has its own feel, right? You have to f kind of feel out each draft. But any kind of trends this year that you're noticing strategy-wise in your drafting? Yeah, I actually did a mock draft the other day, put myself in a I've, – I've done a lot of paid drafts, but I wanted to do one. I put a video out on it just to see I, – I put myself at 11, and I wanted to try going wide receiver, wide receiver, and see what my running backs could look like. I'm not into the zero RB right now. Some people might be, but the problem that I have is – the, the running back position falls off a cliff after the first few rounds. I mean, if you're drafting one through four, I'd even say one through five because I think Zeke Elliott's uh, poised for a big bounce back season with a healthy offensive line and presumably a healthy Dak Prescott. Uh, but if, if you're drafting in the top five, I have I, zero reason not to go running back. From McCaffrey to Dalvin Cook to Alvin Kamara. In a full-point PPR, I have Kamara over Derrick Henry in standard uh, I'm going Henry over Kamara, but either way, pretty much interchangeable. Uh, so you got them at four and then Zeke at five. I'm a little bit sketchy on Saquon Barkley right now. I don't know how much involvement Devontae Booker is going to have, and I'd rather take my risks later in the draft where I can get some really high upside players. But if I'm drafting early in the first, there's no doubt I'm going running back. Uh, and then you can come back into the second round. You go running back, running back. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is there. You might even get a Najee Harris there, depending on how far people let Aaron Jones drop. There's some good second-round talent. At the end of the first, and I start with these couple rounds because it kind of sets up the way your draft is going to work. Uh, Austin Eckler is a late first-round guy. Jonathan Taylor was a middle first-round guy, was fine with, but with the Carson uh, Wentz and, and 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 then the the battered offensive line now, Quentin Nelson going down for another five to twelve weeks that hurts. So it really all depends where I'm positioned. I like drafting earlier or later in the first round because it sets me up nicer. But it, it, for me, I am trying to get some elite running backs early on. And, and what I mean by that is the top five that, were, that are ranked, you know, top five in ADP. Again, second round, guys like Edward Solaire uh, or, or Najee Harris uh, or Aaron Jones. And then you, Antonio Gibson's another one. Third round, Miles Sanders, Chris Carson. Uh, you get Sanders in the fourth, really. Carson and then uh, like Montgomery. And then you're stuck with like a Mike Davis, which is fine. But after that, it really falls off. And there's a bunch of speculative guys in situations where you don't really know where they're going uh, or what their backfield situation looks like. So, yeah, I want to get some good running backs early because wide receivers super deep. But I, I have no problem getting a Calvin Ridley or a DeAndre Hopkins or a Devontae Adams or a Tyree Kill either. Yeah, certainly. I, I, Scott, any trends this year that you want to talk about? I was just thinking about it. I, I do normally. I don't like the ends because I like to be in the middle and I like to have just more flexibility. See where trends are going. Kind of maybe start trends instead of being the end of a trend, which I never do. That's a thing you never do. Don't don't get somebody. Oh, I this position's drying up. I got to get somebody right now. It's not who I want. But no, you don't do that. You take the better player at another position. So uh, what I've been doing is getting Austin Eckler and then Nick Chubb, trying to do that at the turn, like the eleven or twelve. If I can get both of them to start my my draft as my RB1, RB2, I feel like I've got two RB1s there. Uh, and then I can fill out with wide receivers, you know, maybe if Amari Cooper is there. I don't know, he's injured right now. But that kind of caliber of a wide receiver, uh, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, those are the guys that are coming back to you in the, in the fourth round, third, fourth round. I'm okay if I start my draft. Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, 
Uh, and then I've got Mike Evans and Julio Jones on my team, something like that. I, I'm looking for that touchdown upside. And so Mike Evans is going to be that guy in, in that tier break after you get you know done with Alvin Robinson and uh, Terry McLaurin and, and those CD lambs, those upside guys that are just kind of flying off the boards early third now. Very good stuff, guys. Uh, now, I, I've been listening and paying attention, trying to get ready for the show here with some kind of uh, one or the other, and we're going to get to those here in a second, some situations that are a little, you know, right now, some people feel really strongly about them, some people, you know, the ones that have big discrepancies in rankings. Uh, but real quick, let's bring up this uh, ADP chart here. And uh, see what we see what we can do with this here, uh, and see what you guys think. So I want to start with the guy that you mentioned, Lafayette Nick Chubb here. Uh, they've got him. So this has got what a wonderful duel here, right? You know, uh, every every you know site under the sun, and then averaged out. But they got Nick Chubb's ADP at twelve. Uh, is that where you guys are seeing him go, or do you value him higher than that? I think his ADP is going to climb now that, you know, Cam Edward or Cam Akers, sorry, uh, is done for the year. It already has, right? Uh, and now that Jonathan Taylor is in a much less, uh, a much, much less enticing situation in Indianapolis, yes. I'm fine with Nick Chubb at 12. Honestly, I wish he caught passes. I do. I, I think we all do. If, if I, I'll tell you this right now, and this is something I, I tweeted the other day. Uh, follow me, Lafayette underscore D, L O U G H Y underscore D, while you're at it. Uh, I would say this much. If Nick Chubb, and you can do with this as you please, if Nick Chubb was a bell cow back without somebody that caught passes like Kareem Hunt and was going to eat up like, you know, six, seven uh, carries per game, I would legitimately consider drafting him as the, the running back two behind Christian McCaffrey. But that isn't the case, uh, unfortunately. So the question now is what type of touchdown equity does Nick Chubb have? I think he has a lot. Uh, how efficient is he going to be? He's he's arguably the most efficient running back in the league. So I, I like Nick Chubb at 14, uh, where he's going on underdog. 12 is a little bit tough, but like in a full-point PPR, I probably still – I would go Eckler over Nick Chubb still. Uh, in a standard league, Nick Chubb, I'd go over Eckler. But all of that depends, right? So be careful. Be aware of what you're where you're drafting. Uh, ultimately, though, Nick Chubb in the in the early second round, I really like. If you grabbed him at twelve and Eckler was off the board, I'd be fine with that too. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, thoughts on any of these guys? You know, Patrick Mahomes here is interesting at at eighteen, right? So one point eight or whatever. Um, Antonio Gibson at one point nine and DK Metcalf at two point oh. I mean, that area, Joe Mixon at 2.1, that area seems a little fishy to me. I mean, do you guys feel strongly about anything? Like, has ADP on any of these, like, top 25 guys not caught up yet or the the people drafting now not caught up to what the proper ADP should be and, and you can get a little edge on some guys in your league here, Scott? Oh, man, yeah. I, honestly... I can't believe that, uh, you know, A.J. Brown's out of the first two rounds. Like, that's wild to me. I know that Julio Jones uh, is is there and he's going to get targets, but A.J. Brown's a monster. So that's kind of wild to me that he's there. Uh, I, I really like Darren Waller this year. And so him being at the back end, I'll take him in the mid-round of the second all the way to the back end. Uh, George Kittle is somebody who I think I love him. He is like the best uh, you know, like spirit animal I could ever think of for a football player. Um, but <laughs> he, he comes every single day to kill you and to destroy you. And eventually he breaks down. And so uh, I'm a little concerned with George Kittle. I'd be more, uh, you know, adept to, to go after Waller in that, in that kind of, you know, tight end off tight end two, three section right there. Um, but the rest of them, you know, it depends on personal preferences. I'm not going to draft Patrick Mahomes in the first two rounds ever. Uh, I know for DFS, he is uh, the best quarterback value across the board. Uh, maybe Dave's going to disagree with me, but he's finishing in the top 10 more regularly than any other quarterback. And so uh, I like that. But for season long, I'm not going to chase him. Uh, last year, if you got Josh Allen in the eighth round, you got a league winner. If you got Patrick Mahomes in the second round, you did good. But I know the guy who got him in my league, he didn't win. He got like last place. So 
Uh, he has some other things. <laughs> he, he also had Tyreek Hill. He doubled up. He had Tyreek Hill in the first round, Patrick Mahomes in the second round. Blew me out week one. He crushed me. You'd think somebody of those two players would be successful, but it's hard when you're, you're picking those players at the top of their – or Patrick Mahomes at the top of his, his uh, ceiling, then the other quarterbacks, uh, there's not as big of a range difference, so I'm not going to reach for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, I had – just to speak to what you're saying, too, Scott, I had uh, Kirk Cousins. I forget who else I had. I, I streamed him last year and then uh, had Jalen Hurts. Granted, it's a dynasty league, but the, the, the fact remains that had Jalen Hurts, who in the final four weeks of the season – well, final three weeks, we're, we're not playing week 17 – uh, he was he was a game changer. Won me my league, right? Uh, two years, a couple of years ago, three years now. Lamar Jackson in the second half of the season taking over for Joe Flacco. Won people their leagues. So I, I think if you want to go early on quarterback, that's fine. But it just comes back to kind of what I'm saying. There's a lot of you could go Matthew Stafford later. You could go Ryan Tannehill who gets no respect, but was the seventh best. There was a QB seven last year. Had 33 passing touchdowns and 40 or seven rushing touchdowns. And then if you want scoop up as a backup and you don't always have don't no need to back draft a backup quarterback if you're drafting like a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes or any of these guys but it, you could go and gra- dra- grab a, a Trey Lance or a, or a Justin Fields and if, if these guys happen to be you know Lamar Jackson type production or, or maybe we'll go on a lesser scale like a, a just a Jalen Hurts from last year because both of them have apparently looked phenomenal. They both have rushing upside. Uh, they're both good passers. That's what we call a cheat code when it comes to quarterbacks in, in fantasy football. If they end up getting the start in week eight or even week 10 and then closing the season out, you've got legitimate huge ceilings on these guys. And you went with a, you know, a Stafford or a Tannehill or a Matt Ryan throughout most of the season, but that allowed you to load up on great skill players while you're not drafting a quarterback in the third round. Instead, you know, you get a really good running back or, or you get uh, Julio CeeDee Lamb or something or Julio Jones yeah. in the fourth. So that's the way I like to approach it. Am I crazy to be concerned about the Titans because of Arthur Smith leaving? Like, I... I think that could have a bigger impact on like Tannehill and their pass game than people realize. Do you guys take that into account at all? Scott, you can go first. Yeah, you know, I do think there is uh, every single coach has their own scheme and has their own uh, dynamics that they bring to the offense and how they want to run and plays they want to call. So I'm not going to say those things don't matter. What I do like about Tennessee's offense is you have three main weapons. It's really key on who you have. you got A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and then the King. And yeah. so the ball's going to be getting to probably one of those three. And, and yeah, you want it to be efficiently. You want it to be done well. You want the scheme to work. Um, but those guys are guys that can get open in space, at least wide receivers-wise. I'm not worried about the scheme. Like, they're going to out-scheme. And then if you watch that Ravens game last year when, like, nine Ravens, some of the baddest MFers in the game, you guys know that in Cleveland. These, these guys are mean. Like, they tried to yeah. tackle A.J. Brown. They couldn't even tackle him. Like, six yeah. dudes. Bounce off him. He went right through and all the while with a hurt knee all season. So uh, I'm not worried about them necessarily. Uh, I, I love Ryan Tannehill too. He, I, I, you know, Lofty mentioned nine, a seventh last year. Uh, he's being drafted, you know, maybe 11th, 12th. I'm taking him. I'm going to take him and I'm going to win leagues because of that rushing upside that you mentioned as well. Who are you going to stop? Who are you going to cover on the Titans? I don't, exactly. I mean, I'm not going to cover anybody. And yeah. the great part, too, is in best ball, you can stack Julio with him, and you're getting Julio in the fourth, mid-fourth, right? And then you're getting Tannehill in the ninth or tenth round. Like, what a great stacking option that is. Uh, th- I'm with Scott 100% here. Arthur Smith's awesome. And by the way, if you're super concerned about that, you should be really high on the Atlanta Falcons this year, right? You can't have both. If, if, if Arthur Smith's departure <laughs> really worries you, you should be high on the Falcons. Uh, and I love Ridley this year for what it's yeah. worth. I think Pitts is a little overdrafted, but boy, do I love Calvin Ridley. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the wide receiver one at the end of the year, quite honestly. But uh, yeah, Scott, all right. I love it. He's my wide receiver too, but I love it. Like it's just the the range of upside for him is ridiculous without Julio Jones there. Oh, it's insane. But yeah, no, look, Todd Downing comes in. You've got to be an idiot to not figure out how to use these guys appropriately. Uh, Derek Henry, (laughs) Julio Jones, AJ Brown, just get them the football, right? Like, Derrick Henry's head still at, what do you have, 367 carries or 376 carries last year, 2,000-plus rushing yards. And A.J. Brown still had almost 1,200 yards, double-digit touchdowns. Corey Davis only played 14 games, and he came 14 yards shy of 1,000 yards. And 
Johnu Smith, who's not there anymore, had eight receiving touchdowns. So the the, the idea that, that this offense can't support good receivers is is craziest to me. And I don't think Ty Downey's going to have a tough time working with some of the preeminent pass catchers and running backs in football. So no, I'm not particularly concerned. Yeah, I mean, I get that now that you, now that you guys say that, it makes perfect sense, right? Because it's not so much about the scheme or whatever. It's about the lack of them spreading the ball around. You know what three guys are going to get it. Yeah, concentrated and, offense for sure. Yes, absolutely. All right, uh, let's talk uh, a little bit about some players here that I have marked down and, and that are, I think, a little bit of hot topics. You know, Cam Akers goes out. Daryl Henderson is going 73rd. Is that not caught up right? Or yeah. what is that? Uh, yeah. Is that that should be higher than that, right? Or is he, is there like, I heard somebody say there's just a lack of act, like raw talent with him and that some people are worried they're going to add another back there that will immediately overtake him. Thoughts on that, uh, Laffy? It just takes time to catch up. You'll see that a lot. Uh, Michael Thomas is another one. He's finally beginning to, to fall back down. But uh, now it, it takes time. If you look at the underdog ADP on Henderson, he's at 58. Uh, I, I don't know, Scott, where you've been drafting, but I, I've been doing plenty of, of underdog drafts, mock drafts, uh, in a bunch yeah. of different places, uh, paid leagues. And and Henderson's generally going in the, like, before Mike Davis range, after Chris Carson, Montgomery, Sanders range. That's where I've been, been seeing him go. Yeah, I agree with you. And, I, and I've been in some best balls over to underdog. Uh, by the way, promo code NIMBLE, too. Uh, I'm in the game with you, too, Osmo. Is there? <laughs> but I'm not as big. Code NIMBLE, you know, we get a couple shillings. But uh, anyway, uh, I, I would say that sometimes people just forget about it because that ADP has not caught up all the way. I mean, it's, it's a great point. People, yeah, people forget point. about it. So I've been getting him in the fifth round, sixth round, and you're just hoping like people are not aware of that because you're getting a, a I think a, a, an upside RB two every week. You know if he can remain healthy. And last year he was off the field a little bit and he had some nicked up issues. But if he can remain healthy, I think the floor is 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 running back two each week. You know, solid 15 points, 16, 17 points. But if he gets a big game, he's going to be putting you in the 20s. And so uh, I, I like him as that running back three right now, where he's kind of going off the board. Uh, and if you can get him as your RB3, like, oh, man, that's great. Especially in that range, like you said, with Mike Davis, where that cliff falls off. If people forget about him and it goes Mike Davis and then you can get Darrell Henderson, I mean, that's just gold. I love that. Do your own <laughs> rankings. At, like, absolutely do your own rankings. If you go on – yeah, if you go on Yahoo right now, Michael Gallup has uh, is a ranking of, like, 135 or something. You know, some of these are just so absurd that if you like, – same with Russell Gage. I saw him at, like, 140. I don't know. If you do your, your your research, do the due diligence, and just set your own rankings, uh, and you're in some of these public leagues, you're going to have amazing drafts because people forget that these guys are even on there, like Scott was saying about Henderson. Yeah, that's a great point. Very good stuff, gentlemen. Very good stuff. If you're watching all eyes on Cleveland's fantasy football special, soak it up, ladies and gentlemen. Soak it up. It's all good stuff. Dave Loughran, Scott Simpson, Two of the best in the business here today uh, as we take a break from all of the Browns talk. But we'll talk a little Browns, Browns fantasy here in a minute. But uh, a couple other topics I want to hit with you guys on some similar stuff. Who do you like? All right, sophomore wide receivers, you know, is the year these guys break out, right? And you got like C.D. Lamb, I know has been going pretty high, I think. Uh, you've got, uh, as I'm looking here, uh, I just passed somebody, uh, T. Higgins, Jerry Judy, uh, Ruggs. Who do you like best out of the sophomore wide receivers this year? All of them. All of them. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, this is an, it's an insane, it was an insane class of receiver. Yes. Justin Jefferson. You can't yes. not like him. C.D. Lamb. I miss him? Uh, yeah. CeeDee Lamb, especially with Amari Cooper on the pup dealing with these, these this ankle injury, who knows what his status is going to be. There's rumors that there's some internal frustration surrounding his constantly being banged up. Uh, T. Higgins with a healthy Joe Burrow is solid, although I think he might be a little bit overdrafted given that Jamar Chase is there and Tyler Boyd people have just forgotten about. I even think Jalen Rager all the way down with like a, I don't know, what's he at, a 130 ADP or something? Devontae yeah. Smith's going to miss a lot of training camp. I think Rager, who, who missed a lot of games last year, could bounce back and be a nice little sleeper pick. Henry Ruggs has been entirely forgotten. So I don't have all of these guys on the same level or even close. 
But I think at their ADPs, and I think at their ADPs, some of these guys that have fallen back, Michael Pittman, obviously we got to see what's up with Wentz. But, man, there are some really – oh, and Chase Claypool's another one. There's just – I can't say enough about where these guys are and, and, and how happy I am to get almost all of them, honestly. Yeah, and don't forget Darnell Mooney at wide receiver 50. Yeah. Yes. 98 targets last year with yeah. uh, nobody throwing him the football. And so. no Anthony Miller now. Right, and Miller's gone. I, I love Darnell Mooney. He's like somebody who I'm like sneaking into every little draft with as like a guy in the later rounds I can just pluck. And he's going to be – he's a wide receiver two candidate for me this year. So I, last year I came out with something called wide receiver two theory. Uh, it, it basically means that wide receiver ones are overvalued in general by the fantasy football public, and wide receiver twos and threes are undervalued. We don't always even know who the wide receiver one is going to be on a team, a la Jacksonville this year. Or, or Cincinnati, right? So that creates value, except there's there's not a separation there. There's kind of – they're all in the same range. Well, Darnell Mooney is so far behind Allen Robinson that it's ridiculous. And, and he is not going to be Allen Robinson. But if he can put together a solid season, he can get you a wide receiver four, wide receiver three uh, upside each week. I love that at, at a wide receiver 50 ADP. Uh, and underdog people are smart. They're getting him at 97. But in CBS, 169. ESPN, 147. Uh, these are free picks. These are free picks, guys. You don't get free picks like that uh, in the 15th, 14th rounds anymore. And Darnell Mooney is a cheat code, so get him. Oh, and if Field starts a bunch of these games, oof. Oh, yeah. 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 All right, so let me ask you about some situations like that, and then I'm going to get your guys, like, overall sleepers. Uh, you know, I was listening to some guys talk. I forget what show it was, but some of this stuff is coming up. Uh, people are valuing some people are saying you know mike davis is like this year's david montgomery right uh or whatever and you know but other people are saying he can't carry that load for the whole season so you have to kind of like and you saw him fall off towards the end of last season where are you guys thoughts on mike davis and where you stand with him I think if people are willing to draft DeAndre Swift in the early third round in, when he's in a clear timeshare with Jamal Williams on a team that has the lowest win total in the league uh, and will probably see far fewer red zone attempts than they did last year and doesn't have Matthew Stafford but now has uh, he's been supplanted by Jared Goff, if people are willing to draft him in the third round, then uh, I don't see why you're not willing to draft Mike Davis in the fifth round. Look, the look, go just take a look at the running backs on that roster. Let's say we, we, we can't we can't predict what's going to happen uh, a week from now, two weeks from now, if they add somebody. We just have to look at what's going on now. And they they didn't draft a single running back in the draft. They decided to go with five foot eight. Javian Hawkins is an undrafted free agent rookie. They, they don't have they don't have anybody. What do they have? Cordell Patterson, I think that they brought in. There's 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 nobody else out. There's nobody else there. So, yeah, while Mike Davis wasn't particularly great towards the end of the season, he was still the RB6 in the games that Christian McCaffrey missed last year, uh, and he will be a viable pass-catching back. So if you're looking at PPR leagues and you're saying, all right, so I went with a bunch of running backs early. Sorry, a bunch of wide receivers early. It's just the way the draft went, uh, and I need one of these guys before it falls off. Mike Davis is being drafted as the RB21. As a bell cow back, whether you think he can handle the load or not, he's going to get the goal line carries. He's going to get the passing down work. He's going to get the bulk of rushing attempts. I'm okay with that at the RB21. So, yeah, I don't think his skill set is all that impressive. I don't think Mike Davis is close to the most talented back out there. But in fantasy football, volume is king. And there's it's going to be there, at least where we stand right now today. Scott? Yeah, I'm not going to disagree too much with Lofty, but I'll say one thing. This is one caveat. They need to consolidate those passing attempts or the or the, the pass uh, attempts to Mike Davis for him to kind of maximize that upside. That's the hinge. Last year, they didn't give any one running back more than 35 targets. So if he can consolidate some of those targets, because they did give about 100 targets to the running backs. So it's a lot of targets to give to your running backs. If he can get 70 or 80 of those targets this year, then Lofty's exactly right. And he will be finishing as an RB1 some weeks getting those targets. So, uh, yeah, you're not going to get another guy – uh, in that round, besides maybe Darrell Henderson, who has the upside that Mike Davis has with the offense that we think is going to be productive this year uh, under Arthur Smith. Who do you who think do you guys- they would go to if – I'm sorry, Brad. Who do you think they would go to if it wasn't Mike Davis? Seriously. I, I, is there anyone out there? No, I don't think there is anybody out there. I mean, you know, they got rid of Todd Gurley because he couldn't do uh, what they wanted. Uh, he couldn't catch the ball. He couldn't run downfield. 
he was old. I'm not sure if there's anybody that, that is out there now who is better than Todd Gurley, uh, except, you know, maybe Todd Gurley's knees, you know, notwithstanding. Uh, I, do you see anybody? No. Edo Smith's gone, right? I, I don't I don't know who – I'm trying to think of where they all went last year. I know Smith had almost 30 targets, but, like, Quadra Allison is not going to get them. Uh, maybe well, Patterson happened. gets a couple, but – yeah, I don't know, and that, and that's where that if he stays healthy all season, he's in line to get those targets. Yeah, and if if Javion Hawkins makes this team, I would actually be worried that they would use him as a third down back, as just like you yeah. know, kind of one of those versatile guys. But I don't know if he's going to be on the team come September. Yeah, you got to think, uh, you know, come cut day, cut down day, that they'll be looking for running backs potentially there, right? Possible. Uh, to add to that roster. But why not draft uh, one is the thing. Uh, yeah. Really? I mean, who knows? Uh, what do you guys think about the situation in Arizona? Uh, kind of an intriguing one. Edmonds or James Conner, where you come out on this? Go, go ahead, Scott, because I got some serious opinions on this one. <laughs> okay, so uh, – I did a research uh, project for uh, the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and during my research, I looked up a little bit of information about Chase Edmonds. And last year, uh, he, he had one one successful goal line carry. One. That's it. One. Well, not one. He had no no, no <laughs> successful goal line carries. He had one rushing touchdown. Um, and that's a problem for me. When last year, uh, you know, our, our guy Kyler Murray had eleven. He had eleven rushing touchdowns. Uh, and so, if that's going to be the same kind of situation in the red zone. Then I think that that I'm I can't go at, with an RB twenty five. I think that's where his ADP is. RB twenty four, RB twenty five. Chase Evans. I, that's an RB two. I'm a little concerned if that's my RB two. Uh, you know, over Drell Henderson or, or Mike Davis uh, or even you know Miles Gaskin. I think I'd rather have those guys. Uh, you know, in in this context. I am with you, and uh, not only, not only did he only have one goal line carry last year. He has one goal line carry for his career. Uh, that is, yeah. How do how do people not find that to be concerning? Is my question. The fact that James Conner and, and you're talking like it, it carries inside the five yard line. He has 32 for his career. He scored on 16 of them. 50 percent success rate. Not too bad. To think that, at least in my opinion, that Conner wasn't brought to Arizona to be somebody that can that can operate inside the five inside the red zone, uh, but also handle a decent amount of the, the work on the ground. That's crazy to me. I mean, I just made a video. It's a, a, a top bus from every round or, you know, biggest bus from every round. And Chase Edmonds was, was in the, I think it's like sixth round for me, wherever it is. It's just too early. He's going to get passing down work. But even last year when Kenyon Drake was struggling and he was struggling when Drake was struggling, but still active, Edmonds only averaged 4.7 carries per game. So it's not like Kingsbury said, you know what, let's give him a shot and see what he can do. But I actually like this backfield. In the Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray era, 333 rushing attempts have gone to the to the to the running back or to running backs alone uh in these two years. They have 34 combined touchdowns, uh running backs, not just rushing touchdowns, but 34 running back touchdowns. Uh, and that's with, as Scott pointed out, Murray having eleven last year. So they can still really support good rushing uh, rushing attacks here. But I would just rather grab James Conner in the 10th round and assume that, okay, if he stays healthy, because injury proneness is kind of a myth in the sense that guys can get injured a couple seasons and then they don't get hurt again, uh, that he can stay healthy. Uh, and more than that, that we, can, it, that we shouldn't overlook the fact that Pittsburgh had arguably the worst run block, blocking line in the league last year. So I think Connor could surprise a lot of people in the tenth round, and wouldn't be surprised if he's getting a lot of work and the goal line work in Pittsburgh in Arizona. Yeah, along with Murray, yeah, it gets it's non-existent for Edmonds, right? But but it's not that's not his game though. He's a, he you know he's catch pass out of the backfield, uh, make a big play. I mean, is there any upside for him? I mean, he's kind of a high upside guy, but I get why you would take Connor ahead of him. But you guys are just down on him in general. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's more about the value that you're going to get from other players at that position. He might have weeks where he spikes, like he did last year. Um, but I want consistency, uh, particularly if I'm going to get an RB3 in that realm. I don't want to be spiking with my RBs. I'd rather be spiking with my wide receivers. Uh, yeah. those, those are more uh, prone to, to, to shoot than, than he will be. Yeah, and that's another reason why getting some running backs early just feels like a good idea. So then you don't have to do that. Like, I, I take a Claypool 
Hell, before Devonta Smith went down, I'd probably even take Smith because he has the chance to be the clear-cut wide receiver one in Philly, uh, even if they aren't the greatest team. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of risky, but at the same time, I can load up on great prospective wide receivers throughout the draft anyway. Uh, so, you know, Jerry Judy's going in that that area. Uh, yeah, just uh, Chase Edmonds just seems to be going a little bit early because I don't know if everyone thinks like, oh, he was the incumbent backup, so now he has to be the starter getting the bulk of work. And then they point to the one game in 2019 where he was the RB1 as the starter, but ignore the fact that he had – 25 carries for 70 yards and no touchdowns last year is the one game where he was the starter. So small sample sizes don't do much for me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting a lot of Chase Edmonds in the, in the sixth round. And wasn't that in one game against the Giants? Like the yes. Giants, like, oh, yes. Yeah, exactly. he ran all over him. It was a bad game. Yeah. Like three straight rushing touchdowns to him. And that's not going to happen. That's an outlier. That's a, If you make decisions based on one game, please right. play in my fantasy league. Please play DFS with me. I love right. that guy. <laughs> if you want to make an argument to me, that because I've made this argument, that Latavius Murray is one of the best guys to draft in the double-digit rounds because if Kamara went out, he's going to be a stud. Absolutely. We we know he, he is because there's nobody else behind him, and that's the yeah. thing. Like A lot of these backups, if it's Madison, if it's Tony Pollard, if it's Latavius Murray, then, yeah, you're talking about guys that are going to be that, – that can legitimately shoulder a full workload – but I'm not even sure that Chase Edmonds across a whole season can. He's never had 100 carries in a year. Dave's been fired today, by the way. I just got to say, I love it, Dave. Oh, yeah, man. I, listen, both but you too, man. Right back at you. I love talking about this stuff. So it, it, it comes easy, right? It's, it's fun to be able to talk about stuff you care about oh, or oh, you're yeah. interested in. All right, I got another good good question here, and I'm going to get your sleepers, and I'm going to get your thoughts on Browns Fantasy, and I'll get you out of here, okay, before an hour. Uh, so let's, let's, let's do this here. Let's get this going. I have a question about the Jets. Uh, okay, lots of Jets players seem to be going, like, late value, right? Uh, maybe, like, flyers on a lot of guys, because it's not we're not really sure where the ball's going to go. Thoughts on, like, like Corey Davis He's their wide receiver one, probably. I like him as a wide receiver. Why is he going as, like, fantasy wide receiver three? Uh, thoughts on Corey Davis and the Jets in general? I don't know where you're at, Scott, but I think Elijah Moore is getting a little uh, – we, we, might, we might be on a different page. Oh, no. Here, so, oh, no. Okay, yeah. So this he, could be fun. Oh, good, good. We're going think, to I think Elijah Moore is getting a little bit overhyped is what I was going to say. Here's why. I think he could be really good, and apparently he's been showing out at camp. But, Brad, I'm with you in that Corey Davis just signed a three-year, $37 million contract. He's coming off a quality season in Tennessee. He led the team. He had five games of 100-plus yards last year. I think he only scored about five times. But still, Corey Davis played 14 games, almost broke the 1,000-yard mark, was very good, was very good on a run-first offense. I, I'm just not willing yet to to, to, to conclude that Corey Davis should be going beneath Elijah Moore right now. So we have no idea what's going on in the backfield for that matter. Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter, those guys probably split a lot. I think Tevin Coleman is way undervalued, by the way. You want to grab him at like a 180 ADP. Uh, but Jamison Crowder is still there occupying the slot for now. Uh, they drafted Denzel Mims in the second round last year. There's so much uncertainty with that team that I, I just have a, a difficult time feeling confident in any of these guys. Uh, but now it looks like Corey Davis and Elijah Moore basically have almost identical ADPs. I'm fine with that. But I, I think people are looking at Corey Davis as just a scrub when that's not really the case. And he is on a big contract. Yeah. And I would say I do love Elijah Moore. Um, but here's the problem. Everybody else started to love him, too. So when I loved him in right. May, he was huge value. He was yep. in the 12th, 13th Basically rounds. free. Basically free. And I got him everywhere. You know, he's my most owned uh, or not owned. owned roster excuse me most rostered player in in uh, oh, underdog and so i know i know people just people get so picky i just don't want to hurt anybody's feelings you know i'm trying to, <laughs> trying to love everybody here with the hugs you know but uh yeah i don't own anything by the way i don't own my house the bank owns it so it's, <laughs> yeah that's a good point come on uh, but, uh yeah now elijah moore is being taken way ahead of Corey davis and so what it means is is that you you can like players but what i do is i like adps i like players at adps and then when they move off of that and they get too valued then i don't like him as much so in my home league 
I want to get that guy in the 14th round. I'm hoping he falls. I'm going to, I'm not reaching for him. Like I have to do an underdog to get him. You know, I, this thing, if you're going to get Corey Davis an underdog, you're getting him at 107. I'm okay with that. That's not a, that's not a bad pick. Yeah. But you know, Elijah Moore, you're going to get him sooner than that. You have to get him sooner than that. You're going to have to get Elijah Moore in the ninth round. So he's going to be at a hundred, you know, and, and that's just, to me, uh, it's tricky when they're overvalued. It is. Uh, Jets is kind of a mess. You just don't know. Like you said, there's there's talent there. You just don't know what talent they're going to use. It's interesting. All right, you're watching All Eyes on Cleveland. This is our fantasy football super special edition here. Dave Loughran of Osimo and Scott Simpson of uh, Nimble with Numbers, Fantasy Football Millionaires, Chalk Block, Fantasy Football Hot Stove Show, and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Uh, gentlemen, your favorite sleepers, Scott, you can go first. Who's your favorite sleepers in the draft? You know, help, help out my listeners here. Okay. I don't want to steal off these. So I'll, I'll hopefully I don't, uh, I'll, I'll go quarterback first. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, uh, 25. Um, you know, I know as a DFS head, uh, lofty, uh, has seen his prowess, uh, you know, being <laughs> undervalued, you know, in that 6,600 range, 6,200, 5,800. And then he goes out there and he puts up 25, 30 points. He's quad maxing. You know, I love him uh, this year at my as my QB2. I don't normally take a second quarterback. I'm a one QB guy in, in most, you know, standard redrafts. But if he's around at pick 16 or he's on the waiver wire, he's somebody that is going to spike and have big games this year. And maybe managing him is going to be kind of tricky or figuring out when he's going to pop. But you know he's going to pop. You know he's got Terry McLaurin. He's got Curtis Samuel. He's got Logan Thomas. And then he's got, in the backfield, Gibson and McKissick. The ball is going to get out to, to playmakers. Uh, and I think this might be one of the better teams that he's been surrounded with. I think he had some good Jets teams with like Brandon Marshall's on some of those teams maybe. I don't know. Uh, my memory is kind of hazy. I was drunk during some of those drafts uh, back, <laughs> in, back in the day. Sure. But, but I, I do love Fitzpatrick as a, as a real cheap end, basically free quarterback. Yeah, uh, I have no problem with Fitzpatrick, especially when you're getting him at free of charge, right? Like, that's another spot where you want to go Justin Fields and then Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. and just start him until Fields is inevitably taking over the job or, or Trey Lance is inevitably taking over the job, and now you're looking like a genius, right? Uh, I have a lot of them, but if, if I were to give you probably my, my top sleeper, yeah. this is somebody that – is probably I, I don't even know if you consider him a sleeper right now, but I think he's getting a little bit disrespected, and that's Raheem Mostert. And it's, it's very like people look at this and go, "Well, what about Trey Sermon?" Yeah, for sure. But should Trey Sermon be drafted a full round ahead of Raheem Mostert right now? I don't think he should be. So you're getting Raheem Mostert in the eighth. I've seen him go as late as the ninth round. He is averaging for his he's average he has never averaged less than five yards per attempt in a season. Okay. The biggest concern here, obviously, is the injury concerns. But if Raheem Mostert is healthy, uh, you're going to get good production from him. They've got a good offensive line, number one. Number two, the defense was obliterated last year. They're finally healthy. You got George Kittle back. You have uh you have Garoppolo or you have Garoppolo healthy being another. Hopefully he starts if you're if you're drafting most, so I can talk about lands in a second but look at the team and they had wide receivers banged up last year as well the whole team was hurt so they were forced to play from behind they were forced to throw more they didn't have a good quarterback they had a carousel at the position Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon could both coexist in this backfield and, and and legitimately see like 15 carries each per game I think I read something that Shanahan wants to run the ball 30 plus times a, a week if that is the case and you're getting say like Anywhere from 13 to 17 touches per game for Mostert at the late eighth, early ninth round. Again, seeing him go later in, in home leagues, you have to feel pretty good about that. And especially given how efficient he has been, I, I think he's a great sleeper. And uh, I think Ronald Jones, too, if you want to go into that 10th round, uh, doesn't get any appreciation, even though statistically and efficiency wise, he was one of the best running backs in the league last year. Good stuff, gentlemen. Uh Lafie, I wanted to hit you up on this one here. Uh, I, I hear you talking all the time, and I see on your Twitter that you are a uh, TV and movie 
critic, correct? Or, or self self-proclaimed self self critic. Take that with a grain of salt. Yes. Well, I, I like it when you talk streaming on your shows. You know, they always try to shut you down. But I like it when you get into the TV shows. What's the best, what's some good streaming stuff you've seen lately? I got a few off the top of my head I'll throw at you. Scott, if you got to throw one in, what's the best show you've seen recently that, that's worth a binge stream? No one can shut me down, Brad. I make no. the rules over there, Brad. <laughs> no, uh, well, first off, first and foremost, if you've never, I just rewatched The Wire, and it was the greatest decision of my oh. life. I mean, it's one of the, of course, it's one of the best shows. It's it's my favorite show that that I've ever watched. Um, and I, God, I'm drawing a blank. There was just a mini series. Oh, here's one. Here's a little off the board one. Uh, if you like Narcos, and, and I thought Narcos was good, but I think this one is better. Zero, zero, zero on Amazon Prime. It's a, it's like an eight-part miniseries. The ending is superb. The whole show is spectacular. I mean, not enough superlatives to describe how good I thought this was. It's an easy watch outside of the subtitles. But zero, 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 all one word. Uh, you can look up what that means. I'm not going to get into it. It's phenomenal. You'll love it. I promise you. So that's one that I just recently watched, and it was so good. Uh, so Scott, do you have any, are you into, do you binge any TV or any time for that? You know, I, I used to binge a lot more, uh, and, uh, the more I've gotten immersed in fantasy, uh, you know, my wife has, uh, you know, kind of kiboshed my free time, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and no offense to my wife. She won't listen <laughs> I know to what me. that's like, so. Yeah, so it's tricky. Don't she's, we not, all. she's not home right now. She's at work and she's going out to dinner tonight. So the kids are just going to have a great day. Lucky you. Uh, watching at oh, all, man, I'm having a great day. I, I just watched, uh, one. You know, with the interest in uh, kind of cryptocurrency, uh, I was on Netflix and something called Startup came on uh, and it's a oh. Martin Freeman. I had not seen it. And uh, it's it's about a, a, a corrupt FBI agent who kind of gets involved in the shady underworld of drug dealing and money moving. Uh, there's a, a Haitian gang related uh, kind of main character who I love. Their story is just incredible. So I'm not normally a guy who's like, hey, go watch this you know, random you know, Netflix show. Um, I'm more of an older school, you know, like uh, like you said, The Wire is great. True Detective. Oh, um, season one? Yeah, best season, season one. Of, best season oh, of television ever. I I've watched that, like each episode, I've watched it each one like 10 times. Because what happened is me and my best friend, we'd watch it week one. And we were like, holy shit, this is incredible. Sorry, no cussing. Uh, and then we'd watch that during the week, we'd watch it again. And then after week two, we'd watch week one and two. And then after week three, we'd watch week one, two, and That's three. And then awesome. we, just, we, we were obsessed uh, with the show. So, yeah, I mean, those are some of them. And then a, a deeper, darker dive for my people who kind of like gore. Hannibal on NBC is one of the the, the best, goriest, closest things you're going to get to like, like, like not like it's rated R, but not on it's on TV. It's on network TV. The creativity they did uh, and it's murder mystery, so, you know, uh, serial killer stuff. I like that. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I, I'm definitely with the 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 old school stuff. The Wire, uh, True Detective is fantastic. Uh, Breaking Bad obviously is in my top three. Uh, but the, I was actually going to name the startup Scott. The startup three seasons. It was a crackle original that Netflix took. I don't know if you've seen it, Laffy, uh, but know. it is fantastic. Like if you like Breaking Bad, you will love this show. Uh, and it, it is like uh, on the edge of your seat the whole time. And I just watched Dr. Dead, a Peacock original. And it's a true story about a surgeon who basically was botching surgeries and like basically killing people. And they couldn't stop him from continuing to work at different hospitals around Texas. Uh, and it's a great cast and a really good show. So I recommend that to you as well. I'd watch that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Good oh, sure, stuff no. there. I forgot to say Chernobyl on HBO. If you think miniseries, excellent, amazing. Oh excellent. my gosh, I forgot about that one. Chernobyl's really good. HBO can really do no wrong sometimes, so they're they're very good. So, um, uh, all right, gentlemen, to wind things down, I know we got to go here under five minutes. Browns fantasy is tough this year, right? There's a lot of weapons, a lot of balls to go around. Thoughts on anything outside of Nick Chubb that you really like? Not really. Not really, yeah. Not not for fantasy. I, I think Hunt's fine, you know, as a 10-touch-per-game guy and, a, and an RB1 if Chubb goes down, so you've got that going for you. Odell Beckham, there's just so many question marks. His ADP has slipped, so I think there's some maybe some value in just hoping that, that he can return to being the, the player he was and that, that he and – 
Baker Mayfield can connect because Odell Beckham had the second most deep ball targets two years ago when he was healthy. They just couldn't convert any of them into catches. Jarvis Landry, I, you know, you could go down the list. It's not a team that I love for fantasy this year outside of Nick Chubb, but that doesn't mean they're not going to be good. It just means there's mouths to feed, and I don't know how Absolutely. much they rely on the pass. Yeah. Yeah, their efficiency as an offense last year, maybe it was, was messed up because of those wind games that kind of just – Yeah, they had three, like, straight monsoon games in a row. Yeah. yeah. Terrible, terrible. I don't know if that if that impacted it, but – uh, you know, I'm I'm with you, Lafay. I don't find myself picking Odell Beckham really in any leagues. I don't I don't have faith in him. I'd much rather have Chase Claypool. If you're going to draft Chase Claypool or Odell Beckham, I yeah. mean, you know, Chase Claypool. And this is the thing: it's about upside. And I mean, a couple of years ago, Odell Beckham had all of the upside in the world. I mean, he really did. Uh, but that's what I'm chasing right now. Uh, I do like DFS though. I mean, DFS Jarvis Landry was a money maker last year. He was a good value, uh, and then Baker Mayfield at times would spike. If he's getting priced, you know, fifty five hundred, fifty three hundred, he's getting disrespected like that. Yeah, you know, I might play him a little bit this year, but I probably won't own many uh, Browns in fantasy outside of Hunt and Chubb, which I did last year. I got Chunt, Chubb. Ugh, I'm saying both together. I got Chubb and Hunt on a team that I actually got third place in uh, a Superflex league because I had their, their their backfield was just getting a lot of touches at the end of the season. Those games against Pittsburgh, they both were mashing. So. It can be done, but maybe not this year. Yeah, it, it's Chunt in Cleveland. Chunt. chunt. Okay, Chunt. There you go. Chubb and Hunt. Chunt. That sounds like a sketchy word when you do it. It does. It does. It sounds very sketchy, kind of uh, difficult to say. Uh, I'm not getting that right nine out of ten times. Right. Yeah. No. You, you don't know. You don't know where that one's going. Yeah. I know exactly but, where that's going. <laughs> I won't say it here. Josh Engelman might. I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> he might uh, call someone it. Yeah. Yeah. Say, yeah. 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 I have to say, too, I love Josh. Back to that. Uh, I uh, I love your chip challenge, Lofty, when you and Josh ate the one spicy chip. And, it's right uh, here. Still there. I got the packaging right here, dude. It was one of my favorite streams you guys ever did. And uh, you knew what you were in for. Josh was a little, you know, he was – well, he lost the bet. I just did it because I'm a friend. Right. You were nice. Josh was just mortified and terrified. You played it nice and cool compared to Josh. Just let him know that from Scott. Well, he had no milk with him, and he did it on an empty stomach. Horrible decision. Man, it was just so painful to watch him. I was I was in my car just dying laughing, and so great content. Thanks, man. You guys were uh, fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I, I am a big fan of both of you guys, and it was awesome to have you on the show. Uh, Browns fans, my my viewers will absolutely eat this stuff up and love it. So thank you guys so much for your time. Uh, I appreciate you both greatly. Uh, Dave Loughran, Scott Simpson, uh, go check them both out. Follow uh, Scott at Nimble with Numbers at Laffy underscore D on Twitter. Great follows. Uh, and check out all of their shows, uh, Dave at Awesomeo and Scott on his many shows, which I'm sure you can uh, you can get a link to each of those at his Twitter profile. Correct? Yes, sir. All of them linked up there at the top. There you go, gentlemen. You're fantastic, and I appreciate your time. Thanks a ton, Brad. Yeah, thank you so much, Brad. Later, Scott. See you, Dave. Cleveland, we here, yeah. They're all eyes on Cleveland, we here, yeah. Troy Hill with a little shout out.
that was awesome. Great stuff with our fantasy special. Uh, Scott Simpson and Dave Loughran, two fantastic fantasy analysts and fantastic personalities to have on the show. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Rest of the week schedule real quick. I will be on the Dogland podcast tomorrow, and we'll be back here on Friday with Jared Mueller of the Browns Wire talking training camp breakdown. It'll be our second one this week. Uh, stay on top of the news. Follow me on Twitter. Hit the like. Hit the subscribe button. Much love. Go Browns. Thanks for watching. And we are out.